Hey lady, it's Dr. Dom here. If you like this show and you want to make your own, let me tell you about the free platform Anchor. It's a creation tool that allows you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. You can add songs from Spotify and create any type of content that you are looking for. Anchor will distribute it all for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and more. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. On this week's episode in her space. Started making a lot of money relatively quickly. And the more money I made, the more money I spent. And here I am making, you know, a quarter of a million dollars a year in my late 20s and and paying out between 15 and 20,000 dollars a month in bills. I was spending so much that sometimes we had to you know, have an outside force come in and pay our, our electric bill. Welcome to Her Space, a podcast dedicated to uplifting women like you. We're, We're your, your hosts, Dr. Dominique Broussard, a college professor and psychologist, and Terry Lomax, a techie and motivational speaker. In a world where Black women are often misrepresented and misunderstood, please join us as we initiate authentic conversations on everything from fibroids to fake friends and create a safe space where Black women can just be. Hey lady, it's Dr. Dom here from the Her Space Podcast. Do you have a burning question you're dying to get feedback on? Do you want an unbiased perspective on a situation you're facing? If so, visit herspacepodcast.com and click Ask Dr. Dom under the Start Here option. Every Tuesday, I'll choose a few questions and answer them at random. Lady, if you've been wanting to get your financial house in order, today's guest is here just for you. Constance Carter is the CEO of Catalyst Real Estate Professionals, the largest African-American-owned real estate firm in Northern California. Constance is a best-selling author, an investor with a diverse portfolio, a coach, speaker, mentee, and mentor. She's been featured on Black Enterprise, The Huffington Post, and Rolling Out Magazine, but her most proudest accomplishment is being a wife and a mother of four beautiful children. Hey, Miss Carter, welcome to Her Space. Thank you for the invitation. I appreciate allowing me to be on and grace your podcast today. So thank you so much. You are so welcome. We are so excited to have you here. And so we're going to dive right in. We are going to start off with our quote of the day. And our quote comes from you, Mrs. Carter. When you say things like, I'm broke, you're telling the universe to keep you in the state of lack and you're programming your mind to keep you there. Your words are powerful and prophetic. And what you say becomes real. If you want to have more, you have to speak it into existence. Mrs. Carter, I love those words. Oh, wow. I I really believe them. I really believe them. I believe, you know, it's a universal principle. Like whatever you put out there is going to come back. I've seen it time and time and time again. And our words not only shift what happens in the universe, but it shifts our mindsets. That's why like affirmations are so important. Yeah. So just whatever you put out there in the universe, that's what's going to happen. 
And I just, I really believe that. Now, Constance, I met you a year ago at your Wealth Summit and you, you know, looking at you and where you are today, I mean, it's incredible. I mean, it's just so incredible to see you, to see your family, to see all that you've accomplished. But when I started reading your book, I was like, what? Constance, this is where she began. Like it blew me away. So in your book, The Secret to Breaking the Broke Code, you talk about coming from humble beginnings. Can you talk a bit about how your upbringing played a role in your relationship to money? I think that is the premise for how most people treat their relationships with money. So sometimes when you come from humble beginnings, either it's going to hinder you or propel you. It's going to do one of two things. Either you're going to, you're going to repeat those patterns or you're going to really break the cycle and you're going to do so much better than what you've seen. So my parents came from Arkansas, you know, they weren't, you know, very educated, a lot of love, but it was very tumultuous. And I remember just hearing all the time, like, we can't get this because we got bad credit. We can't do that because we have bad credit. I had no idea what bad credit was when I was little. I just knew it was ruining our lives. Whatever this bad credit was, I did not want it because we couldn't do anything because of it. And so, you know, I was very conscious of that as I came up and I made vows in my mind that I was going to do better than than the way I came. And I started off real good. Like I started off great, kept my files and kept my bills and my credit score was great, but I didn't have a real understanding of how to uh, handle money. Because when I was 26, I started in real estate. I got started making a lot of money relatively quickly. And the more money I made, the more money I spent. And here I am making, you know, a quarter of a million dollars a year in my late twenties and, and paying out between 15 and $20,000 a month in bills. I was spending so much that sometimes we had to you know, have an outside force come in and pay our, our electric bill, or we couldn't, you know, may not have been be able to buy groceries. Or I remember not being able to buy my kids a day pass at the fair so they could ride rides because we just didn't have the money, but I was making all this money, but I was spending it. So not really understanding how to manage that money because you can, you can make a whole lot. You know, it, it, the, the difference between you and a person that makes $50,000 and if you make $250,000, it doesn't matter. That person makes $50,000. They are good with their money financially. They're in a much better place. It's going to sustain them a lot longer. So I had to learn the hard way and ended up filing bankruptcy. But those formative years definitely affected how I handled money. The credit piece, I was really, like I said, I was really like set on having bad credit. And I was actually, I've always been really like credit conscious and obsessed with credit. But when I had to file bankruptcy, my credit score went from an 800 down to a 379. Mm -hmm. And so I hit rock credit bottom. And as my you know obsession grew, I learned more. I ended up taking what I learned and I started teaching other people and helping them because I know how critical it is, especially in the African-American community with credit challenges, statistically speaking. So I use that to, you know, I, I always say that I, I use my, my own hardships as a blueprint to help other people, which is extremely important. And so... Can you share with us, I know that you put a lot of this information or all of this information in your books, but can you share with our listeners the piece about how you go from that mentality of being broke and separating that from like your your family history? Because I think sometimes for a lot of us, it's hard to separate our family patterns, because it almost, sometimes it may feel like we're dissing our family, right? Like we're saying something negative to break those habits. It's almost kind of like we're dissing our family, we're shaming our family. And so can you talk to us a little bit about how you navigated that part of it? Because I think that is what keeps a lot of people stuck in that cycle of poverty. Yeah. You know, I, 
I, I think for me, even though I made good decisions, I made bad decisions, you know, life is full of peaks and valleys. I think some things that were um, instilled in me in my formative years really kind of propelled me to make the decisions I made. So even though I made some bad decisions, I still had some things that I was taught when I was young that kind of moved me forward. Like my mom used to tell me, like, they used to, they used to say I was smart. Right. So since I was really small, they say I was smart because I knew everybody's phone number. Nisi, what's this phone number? I like 629430. What's this for? Six two six three five. Like, right. So they were like, Oh, she's so smart. Everybody says she's so smart. So I believe them. Right. So first of all, mm-hmm. tell, you know, whatever you tell a child, they're gonna believe it. Right. Um, no matter what. My my siblings did not have the same thing, right? My sis, my sister and brother, they're super smart. My parents were extremely young when they had them. So they trying to figure it out. My mom was 16 when she had my, when her, my dad had my brother and 19 when they had my sister, you know, 24 when they had me. So they, they, they were a little bit better by the time they had me, but still like they didn't instill that those same, those same little things inside them that they instilled in me, if that makes sense. And so, so even though a lot of the habits came from the, the, the familial background, but some of the things that they instilled in me when I was small, just in saying that I'm smart, or when my aunt told me when I was in Sunday school that I was equally as important as the president of the United States. Like that was, that was mind blowing for me because, you know, as a little black girl who, who you come into this world all, all automatically with a lot of chips on your shoulders. You know, when I was five, my mom got a black doll and I wanted a white doll because I didn't think the black doll was good enough or pretty enough. You know what I mean? So you, you automatically right. come into the world with those that sort of thinking because of those subliminal messaging. So my aunt told me I was just as important as the president of the United States. So I, for me, it was like, you can do whatever you want to do. Nobody's smarter. You're, she said, you're no more important and you're no less important. You are equally as important. That's what she told me. And it always stuck with me. So even though, the, 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 the cycle in which I grew up in, in some ways was toxic. It was loving also. And I've, I've done much different than the people in my family. Now, my, you know, my, my siblings, they're cool. You know, they work nine to fives and they live very um, average lives, but they're all, you know, they're all great human beings. It was only because they weren't pushed the way I was pushed. But what I've done as I started, you know, pushing myself forward and started doing the work and doing a lot of personal development, I always encourage them and pull them along too, you know? So there's no separation in terms of breaking any like family curses. Cause they're all extremely proud of me. They're extremely proud of me. They're like, Hey, you do your thing. That's not us. But I'm always like encouraging <laughs> them. And you know, we, we all respect each other as a result of it, but we're just different. Like I just have always had been a go-getter and you know, my brother and sister, they're not. And you know, that's okay. I, I used to, for years and years, you can do it, you can do it, you can do it. They be hyped up for a minute and then like they just fall back into their patterns. They're just not interested. <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> wow. But <laughs> you know what I mean? So so the, the dynamic of the family, the family is great. So my parents, they got it. My mom left when I was 14. And, you know, she like she left. When she left, she, she was done. And it was just my dad. And then my dad kicked me out when I was 18. Like I was homeless, right? When I was 18 years old. But since then, probably within the last, I want to say 10, 15 years, maybe, maybe 10 years, my, my, my village has come back together full circle. My dad's remarried to somebody else. My mom's not. And they're all like friends and they're all really great grandparents. So like the environment now is very supportive. And that took like a lot of prayer and all that other stuff. All the things we had to overcome as a family, but we're in a really good place now. 
That's amazing. And that is, I know Constance, I know we're talking about finances, but when I read your story, that was what you started your book with. And I was just like, that is a lot to deal with at such a young age, you know, having your mom leave. And then also, you know, you talked about how your dad, I believe was with a different woman and kind of chose her and her girls over you. And it was like, dang, my dad was my, that was my road dog. And now, yeah. So like, can you talk a little bit about just processing that in the midst of your own journey and how, like what you did to even overcome that situation? Cause that really stood out to us in the book. Yeah, that was probably the most painful for me because my dad has always been my constant. So my parents, you know, my, like I said, my parents were very young when they got together and they used to get together, separate, get back together, separate. But my dad was always very, you know, he was very stable. My mom, she was just kind of out there, free spirit, doing her own thing, kicking it with her friends, you know, but my dad was my constant. So when my mom left, it was just me and my dad, my, my sister, my mom was like, Hey, my kids are grown, but I wasn't grown. You know, my daughter's 20 now, but I remember when she was 14, that was the most critical time in her life. She needed me as well as I needed my mom. And she just was like, she had just left. And so it was my dad. My dad was always my superhero. I mean, like, I mean, he is to this day, but if you, if you ever understood the ultimate, how a a daughter feels about her father, that's how I am about my dad. He's like everything. And so when he got married, it just like switched from day to night like overnight, like he started dating this woman and he came back and he said, Hey, we getting married and we, I don't care what y'all think. And I knew who she was. I knew because she was my friend's mom. So I knew like who she really was, but she had a different face with him. It was so strange. Mm. And so when he got married, it was like, you know, we, I was there a couple months and then he was like, Hey, you know, her daughter wants your room. If you know, and, and, you know, then they put me out and, Uh, She got mad and he told me to leave and never come back. (laughs) And that was pretty painful. But yeah, yeah. Especially for, you know, again, your dad being like your Superman. So that that was painful for a while. It was actually even painful for me to even write that in the book. Like Mm -hmm. as I was typing it, like I was I had tears coming down my eyes and I don't even cry like that. (laughs) <laughs> but I had tears coming down my eyes as I was writing it because it took me back to a very painful place. But it did take, you know, my, my dad still, he still, he, even in spite of that, because his, his wife started to show who she was relatively quickly. And, and so, I mean, but he was with her for several years after that, but I still was like, dad, you know, I still love my dad. I still wanted to help him. And you know, that, that was, that just never broke. Cause I just loved that man so much. Mm-hmm. And you know, there's, you know, that, he, he when he when he looks at that now he it hurts him it hurts him so deep oh, I bet. Like, if I bring that up he's just like oh, oh baby don't please don't please don't say that yeah but, yeah it hurts, guys, more than hurts me did you guys go to therapy or anything to kind of get we past did. that huh oh okay no no you know sometimes you know older black men they don't be believing <laughs> right yeah. right right <laughs> <laughs> So then, so in that situation, was it more of like time healed it or? Okay. Yeah, for sure. For sure. But you know, my dad has always been just very loving and, you know, easy, easy to forgive. I knew, I knew he was just weak. I knew Mm -hmm. this lady and he was, and she put him in a position where he had to choose, you know what I mean? And he's just, you know, he's just always been, he's always had these women, even with my mom, like these women that were more like really powerful women, mm-hmm. <laughs> controlling women. So, you know, he just had, to, he happened to get another one and she was like, yeah, she got to go and I had to go. So, yeah. So when you look at 
those formative years and you look at those relationship patterns, how do you think that shaped who you are right now and how you are with your family? Oh my God. It is like, it is everything. And remember I said in the beginning, like whatever you go through, either you're going to, you're going to do the same thing or you're going to do everything like absolutely opposite of that. And so that's why for me, it's so important because my, my parents were so different. My dad, like when I was, when I was seven, he had gotten saved and he became a deacon in the church and that became his priority. Right. My mom did not. She was still doing her thing, kicking it with her friends and hanging out and just whatever, partying or whatever. So they were so, so opposite. We never had family time. We never, I don't think we ever, I think we may have ridden in the car. We, I don't think we rode in the car together until we were grown. Like, and they weren't even married. It was probably a few years ago, right? We never rode in the car together. Never went on family vacations together. Never ate dinner at the dinner table together. Like none of that stuff. And so that's why it's so important for me. Like, and I, I used to long for that. I used to be like, I just want to be a normal family. I just want to be a normal family. So for me, I probably overdo it with my kids. are probably like, I'm, I'm, you ever, you remember that? Uh, I don't know if you remember that cartoon. It was like Looney Tunes when that girl was, when she had her cat and she was just hugging and kissing the cat so much. And the yes. cat was like, I'm that's me with my kids. So I overdo it. They're just like, oh my God, get away from me. But I make sure we have that time. You know, I may not have a lot of time, but the quality of time is mm. is, is paramount. Going on vacations, like we do like anywhere, it depends on the year, but we do anywhere between five and 10 vacations a year. We eat wow. dinner at the dinner table. We go yeah. like, you might, if you see me on Facebook with my family, like in a car together, we're just dry, whatever. Like I, it, that is the absolute epitome of a great, moment for me, just being with my husband and my four children, like that's everything. So it has that, it was something that I longed for when I was younger. And it was something that I, I created in my own life. And of course I'm not perfect. You know, some of the, one of the things that I tell my kids in having conversations with them is, you know, on a scale of one to 10, how would you rate our relationship? And I thought, you know, I'm the bomb.com mom. Of course, I'm going to get tens. Of course. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And they're like, yeah, around an eight, you know, maybe some, some nines. But I was like, what? Ooh. And uh, I was like, okay, wh- what can I do to become a 10? And they're like, you know, sometimes you're not, you're just, you know, you work a lot or sometimes I know you're, you're gone. I know you're doing it for us, but I just like you to be more engaged. And so like, I, I'm not perfect. I'm just trying, I'm, I'm trying to be the best mom that I could be. But what I do tell my kids is that whatever you don't like in me or your father, make sure you do something different when you become older. You know, don't pick up those same habits and the same patterns. I want you to be the best, 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 best version of yourself. So that's what I try to do. Like the stuff that I didn't like with my family, I just recreated a whole new family dynamic for mine. And so it's, it's the epitome of everything that I always wanted with my own family, with my parents. That is so incredible. And Constance, we can definitely see that online when you post the videos and the pictures. I saw you had a post of you did your holiday pictures for this year. And I saw, I think you had 25 years of holiday pictures. Yeah. Your daughter first and then you had your son. And then I was like, this is so beautiful. And I want to know, 
Okay. So you right now, you are goals. I'm sure for a lot of people, right? A lot of people are like hashtag relationship goals or family goals or business goals. Can you just let people know, like, how does it feel to be on the other side? You've come so far. What does it feel like to be on the other side of reaching your wildest dreams? Like what is the scoop? What's the inside scoop for us that are still trying to get to that point where we have our finances in order, we have the family and we're flourishing. What does that look and feel like for you? Oh my God. I don't know because I think it's, I think it's a, it's an evolutionary process, right? I don't think you ever get to a place where you arrive. One of my mentors, Lisa Nichols, she says, balance is a myth, but harmony is a must, right? So you can't try to balance, give everything equal time, but just trying to create that harmony. So I, I just try to live like the best life that I can every day. That, that is the only thing I can tell you. And so that's just being conscious about making decisions that's going to just be positive. Like, I love to laugh, you guys. Like, like when I'm at the office, that's what me and Glenda do all day is we laugh. When I come home, I like to laugh. And just be open and free and not stressed out about any BS. You know, mm-hmm. that's, that's goals for me is just, just being happy and laughing and enjoying life. You know, of course, you know, you never get to a place where you arrive. You never get to a place where everything is perfect. But I think in, 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 in the journey, I think being more focused on the journey, right? And not the destination and just lavishing in the journey and, you know, the pitfalls, the ebb and flow, all the good and the bad, just languishing it with it as you go and just taking it and, and rolling with it. Because I do, there are some, you know, I don't know if you, if you see my video the other day, like I lost almost hundred thousand dollars in a building a couple of years ago. And I was like, you know, that's, that's hard, but I just had to roll with the punches. Like, okay, God, what are you doing? What, I know there's going to be something greater later. What is it? And then he blessed us to be able to purchase another property that was 10 times better, but just trying to find the good in everything. I remember when like earlier on and like, I just had, I think I had my daughter, I, I lost my job. My husband lost his job and we were behind on our mortgage and like everything was going wrong. And my friend Keisha, she said, dang, how are you still able to, to maintain, to be positive? And I think I'm like, what, 24 at this time? And she was like, how are you? Like, I was still optimistic. I remember having this conversation. Obviously, I was still optimistic, but I remember her telling her, because I know this is not where I'm meant to be. I know it's mm-hmm. going to be better. So just having that mentality, because, and, and that goes back to my auntie telling me I deserved, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So when you understand that you deserve more, that God is not bringing you anywhere to leave you. When you understand that greatness is, is in your plan, that you deserve it, then you can just really, like I say, languish in the journey and not worry about the destination. So wherever people are, they're where they're supposed to be. You know, don't get weary in well-doing. Stay the course because I'm not goals. I'm not goals for anybody. Your situation is your situation, but just be happy in your situation, right? Be able to laugh through it and, and all that stuff. I love that of like telling people, making sure that people really hear that each one of us has our own unique story, our own unique journey, and that we shouldn't be striving to be what someone else is, that we should be focused on who we are. And so when I when I hear that, I think about some of our listeners, you know, we have women of all ages listening. And so we have some women who may be in their 50s or 60s and in their where they are in their journey, they are still trying to figure out budgeting and managing finances. And then we have some young women who are like 
18, 19 and are just starting to really learn about budgeting and finances for themselves, for their journey ahead. And so what does it look like no matter where you are in your journey and you're saying, okay, I need to start, I need to start fresh. I need to figure out how to budget, how to save, how to invest. Where would you tell that person to start off? Mm-hmm. So I, I think a lot of times it, that goes back to mindset, right? I think a lot of times people focus on what they can't, what they can't do or what they don't have. They focus they, and, and they get stuck there instead of saying, okay, let me just do it. And let me just figure out the resources in order to get there. So you can find, you can, first of all, you can figure out anything on the internet, right? I call it GTS, Google that shit. Everything is out there. <laughs> Whatever you want, you can get it. I love it. So understand that the answer to your problem is likely on Google. So, but it's really just shifting your mindset to say, okay, I'm going to establish, I'm going to establish a goal. This is what I want to do. And I say, do a brain dump. This is, this, these are all my ideas and then start to put a, like put it in a plan and then begin to execute. But I think the whole thing is stop getting stuck at start. Just do it. Right. And create a plan around doing it. I think the mindset is what holds us back because we get overwhelmed in what we don't know. And so just starting to do the research and, and figuring out, you know, because we don't know what we don't know, but start, you know, just basic stuff, reading basic books about budgeting, reading, you know, understanding what your finances are, how much you have allotted for whatever it is that you, you need, your needs, and then worry about, you know, what your wants are. But you got to prioritize that. And, you know, you got to cut out a lot of the frivolous spending. I know I was there $250,000 a year, frivolous spending. You know, I, I, I could have been so much further along today than I am, than I am because of my frivolous spending, but I had to file bankruptcy making $250,000 a year, which is crazy. But I, I was in the same position as a lot of people, whether you're making 25, 50, a hundred thousand dollars, if your mindset ain't right, then you're not going to be able to get anywhere. So stepping back, saying, okay, making a conscious decision of this is what I want to do. Writing it down, putting it in paper, organizing it in a concise way, and then, you know, do whatever research you need to do in order to make a a plan of action so that you can execute. Constance, we're about to shift up the energy a little bit on on our interview today. So because we recognize, appreciate, and celebrate the multifaceted woman and believe that it's okay to be classy and ratchet and you can be elegant and still dance to strip club music, we want to invite you to the OU Clatchet segment. So, Constance, do you take on the challenge? Absolutely. I'm a little nervous, though. I'm a little nervous. (laughs) All right, we're going to go with some of the fun questions. So, the first question for you is, what song gets you on the dance floor at the club or party? What song? Yes. Oh, let's see. Big old freak, Megan the Stallion. Oh, okay. big old freak. Hey, we like that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And so, speaking of getting on the dance floor, twerk <laughs> or two step? Oh, oh, it depends on the song. I can do them both. <laughs> I can do both and I will do both and I do do both. So, (laughs) (laughs) oh, so preference, I'll say two-step. Okay, all right. All right, now, Constance, who is your bad boy or bad girl crush? Oh, bad boy. Oh, shoot. Bad boy crush. 
Now you want to make me go look at Instagram. Who's that? <laughs> like, who I'm following? <laughs> yeah, who is my bad boy crush? Oh my god. Okay, okay, come back to me on that one. Okay, have... we'll come back. Yeah, she's gonna do a little Instagram search. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Shifting gears just a little bit. What's your favorite book? I want to say a book that I probably read like five, six times was The Millionaire Mind by T. Harvecker. Okay. Mm-hmm. I'll add that to the show notes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and what was it about that book that, because you said you read it five or six times. So what was it about that book? Yeah. You know, I, I, and I always tell my agents to read it. And some are like, yeah, blah, blah, blah. It ain't all that great. But I just think it's just a great, because it, it was, it, he talks about, the mindset of a millionaire, how a millionaire thinks, you know, a poor person thinks like this and here's why they're poor. And a millionaire thinks like this and here's why they're, they're, they're a millionaire. This is, how, this is why they're wealthy. And so it really, it really like sprang up a bunch of different light bulbs and, and allowed me to like look around at my environment and say, yeah, that's why they ain't got shit. Or yeah, this is what I need to do in order to get there. You know, it's easier for, you know, uh, like if you have two people that are are broke and one was wealthy before, it's easier for the wealthy person to get wealthy again because it's the mindset. They know how to do it. But a a poor person's always going to stay poor. Not necessarily, but they, you know, they'll be quicker to stay poor because just because they have that poor mindset. So just understanding the difference between a poor mindset and a wealthy mindset is everything. That's so powerful, too, because Constance, I feel like I always thought that it's all about, okay, I got a budget and save and invest. But it sounds like the first step before you do anything is shifting your mindset. If you feel stuck right now, it sounds like you got to read these three books, right? Constance's two books and then this millionaire mindset book, right? To really game plan for how you're going to use your finances or allocate them in 2020. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. One more question. All right. What's the best compliment you've ever received? Mm, that I have changed someone's life. Mm. That is the best thing that you can tell me. Okay, I'll tell you another one too. So that one, and I'm gonna give you another one, that you have prayed for me. Like that's the best thing that you can ever say. You know what, I, I prayed for you. That means you thought about me and you went to God on my behalf. That's huge. That is. Yeah. Amazing. Well, Constance, we just want to thank you so much for spending some time with us and oh sharing your insights. Yay. You guys have been amazing. This was so fun. I am and honored that you would even consider me. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. And before we go, can you tell all of our listeners where they can find you? Absolutely. So a couple of things. I am having a weekend of wealth retreat, which I'm so excited about. I'll be celebrating my 44th birthday. And that's February 20th through 23rd in Napa. So we're going to do one in Napa and then we're doing one in Costa Rica. And that one is going to shift you from, what do I do? I may want to start a business. I want to start investing. And we're going to, I'm going to help you walk away with an actual plan when you leave. And I'm, I'm super happy to partner with Susie Carter. You may or may not know her. She's actually Lisa Nichols coach. She's going to be partnering with me on our, on our next couple of retreats. So she's going to be also teaching, you know, profitability and and all those great things. So it's going to be awesome. So you can go to weekendtowealth.com. And if you'd like to join us in Napa or in Costa Rica, we would love to have you. Napa is all women. Costa Rica is going to be, women and men is going to be co-ed. The mansions are absolutely beautiful. They're spectacular. You're going to get some rest, some respite. You're going to get to rejuvenate yourself, trans, transform your mindset. It's going to be amazing. So 
weekend2wealth.com. But they can reach me. Uh, they can go to my, my Facebook at Nobody Work Harder Than Constance Carter. Or my Instagram is Ask Constance C. And my website is ConstanceCarter.com. Hey, girl. Hey, it's Terry here from the Herspace Podcast. Every Wednesday, I release a Wisdom Wednesday mini episode that'll give you the quick boost you need to get you through hump day. Visit HerspacePodcast.com and click the Wisdom Wednesday with Terry link under Start Here to get your weekly gems. I hope to see you there. Thanks for joining us today in Herspace. Please note that our show may contain conversations about self-help, advice, self-empowerment, and mental health, but it is by no means meant to be a substitute for an ongoing formal relationship with a trained mental health provider. If you or someone you know is in need of mental health care, please visit the Therapy for Black Girls directory, Psychology Today, or contact your insurance provider. If you liked what you heard and want to keep the conversation going, connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Herspace Podcast, or check out our website at herspacepodcast.com. And before we meet again, repeat after me. There's something inside of me that's bigger than any obstacle. We'll see you next week, lady.